Humility has been well defined uh, in this way, not so much thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not so much thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Now, we might then hear at this time of, of uh, New Year's and uh, the start, the end of the old and the start of a new, uh, want to be able, would long to be able, to look back over the prior year and to call forth examples of such humility. But I think we would have to agree that we would be quite hard-pressed to find such examples, positive ones, in the political arena. Uh, thinking back to the last campaign, and I'm going to step on some toes here, I realize this, but if you just think in terms of the, the individual who won this past campaign, he's expressed a bit of certainty in his ability and expertise in a variety of different arenas. The individual that lost this campaign thus far has been unable to associate any part of her defeat personally with herself, and the sitting president in just here recent interviews, has maintained that had he been able to run for a third term, he surely would have won himself handily. I think it's fair to say, and I hope you'll forgive me if I'm stepping on toes unnecessarily here. I don't mean to do that. But I think it's fair to say that all three of these individuals are out of touch with reality. And it... Uh, it, maybe it would behoove them, it would behoove us to hear a quote from another politician, Alan Simpson, former senator from Wyoming, who some time ago said, uh, those who travel the high road of humility will not be troubled by much traffic. <laughs> I think instinctively we recognize that this pursuit of humility is, is something well worth doing. We also recognize it's difficult, to say the least. Uh, maybe we would even do well to ask, how in the world is it possible? Well, if you have your Bible, I'd ask you to turn with me uh, this morning to two texts, uh, two different books, entirely different books, with a lot of space between them. Uh, the book of Proverbs and the book of Philippians. Uh, the book of Proverbs and the book of Philippians. Those of you who were here for the Christmas Eve service uh, last Saturday, you may recognize that this is one of the texts that I was alluding to in the course of that message, but I want to come at it from a different angle. So uh, don't go to sleep on me just because it sounds like the same text. It's slightly different. Um, I'm going to look at uh, two passages in Proverbs, two verses actually in Proverbs. Uh, the first is Proverbs 15, verse 33. If you're trying to find the book of Proverbs, um, that's a good pursuit. And uh, just find the middle of your Bible. You'll pretty much hit the Psalms, head one book to the right, and uh, that's the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15.33 is the first text that I want to read, and then we'll read one more, and then we'll move into Philippians. Okay? So Proverbs 15, verse 33, the author says, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. And then skipping over a couple of chapters, or a few chapters, chapter 18, verse 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Now we're going to be going back to those, so don't just take your thumb or your bookmark or whatever completely out of Proverbs. 
But go with me now to the book of Philippians. And uh, if you're trying to find that, that's in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's longer letters, certainly not his longest. Uh, after the Gospels and Acts, you hit Romans and the Corinthian letters, and then Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians. Uh, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm looking at Gal- uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, we uh, can certainly recognize, even if we can't define humility, we can recognize when we don't see it, at least in others. It's fairly apparent. But we also have to acknowledge, if to the degree that we are honest with ourselves this morning, that it is as easy as it may be to recognize its lack in others, it is at least that much more difficult to see its lack in ourselves. We are not naturally humble people. We are boastful and tend towards pride. And we ask that you would speak this morning through your word to our hearts. Help us to see what is the source of that, what is the folly in that, and what is the cure for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's the the new year, and the new year brings with it um, reflection. It seems that, uh, oh, I don't know, Opportunity is in the air, right? You know, with the change of the calendar somehow. Uh, so we, we set about to make resolutions. Uh, we set out to try new things. And with that, you have to recognize that, it, that the resolutions and the possibilities for resolutions are nearly as broad as life itself. I mean, you know, what arena of my life could I not do well to examine? And then to, to make matters worse... You know, there are all kinds of possibilities with each arena. So let's just say there's a dozen, and I can assure you there are far more than that in my life that I would do well to examine and to stick a resolution into. There are at least a dozen in every one of those dozen of possibilities, of things that maybe I could do to to improve and strive better. Um, It's daunting. It's so confusing. I think sometimes we just want to say, heck with resolutions. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I resolve to, I've re, my resolution is to do no resolutions. It's, it's so confusing. It's so terrifying. It's so un, unnerving. Oh, if someone would just speak some clarity into this mess. And the Lord has. Um, he really and truly has. If we would but just begin with fundamentals and build on a sure foundation and move from there and pare away all these non-essentials, what we find and what we see beautifully so in the Scriptures, that God indeed has made our paths plain. God is far plainer than we think. 
God indeed has, in, has indeed made our paths plain. You, you, you just look at the, the scriptures and the testimony here. Through the ages, in a variety, a wide variety of different contexts, in a broad, through a broad pool of writers, he has spoken so beautifully, so consistently, so coherently towards the essential principles and precepts we need to abide by in life. Um, and one of them, the essentials, goes like this. We must pursue humility. We must pursue humility. It comes out so plainly uh, in the, the text that I, that I just read. And, and we could be here really all afternoon reading texts from the Scriptures that, that speak on, on this point, that we must pursue humility. Humility before honor. He's spoken so clearly in terms of these basic essential axioms that, that we need to have in mind. Uh, as we move, not just through this upcoming year, but through life. So whatever resolutions, and whatever it is that you have in mind, whatever new way of going about this and that and the other thing over the coming months, whatever that may be, God's admonition to us is we need to begin here. Humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. Now, as I said a moment ago, just in the text that we read, we're going to look at two sources that help us to see that in slightly different ways, but certainly in a very consistent, coherent fashion. Humility must come before honor. First, in the wisdom of the Proverbs, and secondly, in the guidance from the book of Philippians. So, all right, Proverbs. Proverbs, oh my gracious, um, is a mine of wisdom. A mine of wisdom that we would do so well to drill down into and explore and, and think through and wrestle through together. Uh, but before we do that, you need to understand something as to what it is that you're reading. What mine have you just walked into when it comes to the book of Proverbs? We need to understand it from its, its larger context. And what God's intent for us is in giving us this gift the gift of the book of Proverbs is, is something along these lines. It's a great, it is his gracious offer of divine wisdom to us. It is the Lord's gracious offer of his wisdom given to us a weak and foolish people. It is overflowing, it is an outpouring of compassion and mercy to us with that. And, and it comes out, I, I was struck by this just this past week. I had never seen this before. Some 25 times in the course of the book of Proverbs, the author makes this appeal to the reader as their beloved child. Hear me. Hear me, my son. Pay heed to this. Listen to me. Now what does that do in terms of the grid through which we should read the book of Proverbs? It is not anything close to Here's how you, you do this, read this book and live this way, and you too can earn this privileged status of sonship with God or, or daughtership. That's not it at all. It's, it's compl that's completely to flip it upside on, on its head. It's rather, you already have that status and, of sonship, of adoption, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ. In Christ, you have that already. Here's what it looks like to live that out. That's what the book of Proverbs is about. That's a gift of his love to us. What does it look like to live as a child of God? So with that in mind, then maybe we're a little better prepared to think about Proverbs 15.33 and 18.12. 
So again, just looking at them real quickly, uh, Proverbs 15.33 reads, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. What on earth is the writer saying there? That, that with an awareness of God comes an awareness of self. With an awareness of who God is comes an, aware, comes an awareness of who we are. We stand before him as the creature before the creator. As the sinner before a holy God. And as that, the awareness then of who we are before him begins to sink in and settle in, it cultivates a deep abiding humility. That's at least something of what that proverb is, is getting at there. Uh, 1533. Now let's go on to 1812. Similar, parallel in what it's saying. Not surprising. Uh, 1812. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Again, what is the author of Proverbs getting at here? That a life lived with an, an attitude overarching in all things of basic, essential dependence upon God is sanity and lends itself towards flourishing. Conversely, a life where a basic attitude, a stance of ours towards him is independence from him as though we were self-made men and women and could just go about things on our own as we please and all of that is actually not sane, but insane. And lends itself not towards flourishing, but dissolution and destruction. It can't help but be that way. It simply cannot help but be that way. And that is what we're seeing here in the wisdom of the Proverbs, humility, humility, humility before honor, humility before esteem, humility before regard, humility before respect, humility before reward. That is something that's built into the very fabric, woven into the very fabric of the universe. This axiom, humility before honor. It's written into the narrative in which we live as characters written out by the divine author himself. It's part of the programming embedded in the very code. Humility before honor. I'm pressing there because this is something we simply cannot, try as we might, get away from. Work ourselves away from. Turn our backs on without doing great harm to ourselves and to those around us. This is something that we desperately need to hear and to deeply know. And the author of Proverbs is saying, in essence, yes, you have a desire for honor. I understand that. But that will not come if you reverse the order. Humility before honor. Humility before honor. It has to be that way. The Lord has made our paths plain. We must then be about pursuing humility before honor. Okay, that's the wisdom of the Proverbs. Now, let's move to guidance from Philippians. And I think what you'll see here in a, in a minute is 
Oh my goodness, how these two things track in unison together. But again, it might be helpful to be careful to consider the, the context again and, and, and the behind this call towards such wisdom. So what do, we, what do we have here when we talk about the book of Philippians? Well, it's actually a letter. It was a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, from a likely a Roman prison context in 62 AD to a church in the Roman colony of Philippi, a church that roughly about 10 years prior, Paul himself had planted. So that's who the writer is, that's who the, the audience is, and, and that's worth knowing because recognizing that, no, these folks are not perfect by any stretch. I mean, you, you have but to read through just a cursory reading over the course of this letter, and you can see because of the issues that Paul is having to address here, they are anything but porcelain saints. They are like us. They are a mess. And so Paul is having to address this issue and this issue and this issue. But that said, they are, because of their faith in the finished work of Jesus, they are secure in their standing before God. Now, how does that frame how we read what Paul says? Well, again, the admin, we're going to read an admonition here together in just a second, reread it. Um, it's, can't, we must then not absorb it, must not hear it, as though Paul is saying, look, be like Jesus and he'll love you for it. That is not, in, that, is a, that is not just sub-Christian, that is anti-Christian. That's not just sub-gospel, that's anti-gospel. That sort of reading of the text. What Paul is saying here is not be like Jesus and he'll love you more, but he loves you already. Now. And to the degree that you understand that, to the degree that you're embracing that and taking that into your heart, you will want to live out of that and be like him because of the security that you have already in his love for you. So with that in mind, Paul then, in this context, going to read it again, he implores his audience towards unity because apparently there was some division. With that in mind, he implores them towards humility. And with that in mind, here we go, he then speaks to them the way that he does in chapter 2, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Uh, likely, uh, this, I said this back on Christmas Eve, some of you may have already known this, he, uh, uh, this, is, this is likely a quotation from an ancient hymn talking you know, mid-first century already, hymns were being written of praise to Jesus. Paul is either quoting it from some other author, it's possible, just as possible, he himself wrote it. In any case, he's quoting it. And this is what we read, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is, Jesus is the living embodiment of humility before honor. He is the living embodiment of what we've just read from Proverbs. Now let me just unpack this in two stages. 
the stages of his humiliation and the stages of what we'll refer to as his exaltation. So, in terms of his humiliation, before the very beginning of time, Jesus is described here in terms of his status as being God. Not like God, not a God-like figure, not just a hero, but God. Truly, from before the beginning of anything, Jesus is God. That said, he does not hold to that status in some sort of way such that he would, as Paul says, grasp it or want to manipulate it or use it in any way of, uh, towards advantage towards him, of himself. But rather, we see throughout the course of his life a pouring out, an emptying of himself, a giving of himself, a giving over of his divine rights and privileges. I'm just summing up here what Paul is saying here in this song. We see a continual descent by the Lord Jesus. He becomes man. Truly man. Truly, in the, in the, in the essence of it, a servant. And as though that's not enough, he doesn't just become man, but he gives him over, himself over towards death. And as though that's not enough, the author of life himself, giving himself over to death, but the most ignoble, distressing, rejected, insulting kind of death imaginable, that of the crucifixion. It's this descent as far down as he could possibly have gone. Humility before honor. We're oftentimes told in conversation with, with one another, or maybe we say it you know, regarding another person, if you only knew who this person was, then you would appreciate what it is that they have done. If you'd only know who they really, really, you, you think you know, but if you only knew who they really were, all of the appreciation you would have for what it is that they have, have, have done in some way. And, and that's a theme that comes out in, in some reality TV shows these days. Undercover Boss is one, right? I don't know how many of you have seen that. I've seen, I don't know, scenes, an episode here, two, there. Um, the employer, the owner of some sort of uh, company, the wide variety of they use on that show, go, decides to, if you will, go undercover. He, he you know, goes into a certain as area of the company, dresses down, takes on a menial task, wants to see how the operations are really working, how is this, how can we improve this, how can we tweak that. He also, she, he or she has the opportunity to see who or is, is not pulling their weight or maybe, more, you know, more optimistically speaking, who is really going way above and beyond the call of duty. And then, of course, at the very end, there's the big reveal where everybody who, you know, they didn't know before who this really was, and now, oh my goodness, it, it's you. And then, you know, it's just you know, a lot of tears oftentimes at the end because of the, the kindness that the, uh, the undercover boss is bestowing upon his or her employees. Well, I don't mean to sound trite, but honestly, Jesus, in many respects, is the ultimate undercover boss. In this deep, deep, deep descent. As we see here described in Philippians 2. But that would be to only talk about one half of the song. The front half of the song. Because there's a whole other part that Paul speaks of here. Not just the stages of Jesus' humiliation, but the stages of his exaltation. Um, 
Paul speaks here of somehow Jesus being given a new name, not being renamed, but given a, a new name that, that speaks to the wonder and glory of who it is that he is and what it is that he has done. I mean, he, he speaks of him there in uh, verse 11, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is a direct reference to the covenantal name of Yahweh himself. That's who Jesus is. The covenantal God of the Old Testament. Lord. God. The incarnation. God in the, in the flesh. Humiliation. Giving way to exaltation. This one who went deepest down has been lifted highest up. The one who poured himself out is now given ultimate praise. Uh, the one who is the servant is now crowned a king. This is the wisdom of the Proverbs showing itself in the lessons and the guidance of Philippians. Humility must come before honor. The one who exalts himself will be humbled. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now what do we do with this, just practically speaking? Let me just say, say three things quickly. One, let me give you the three first. Our to-do list our weight problem, and our anxiety issues. And none of those three are what you think they are. Well, except maybe the to-do list. Just speaking plainly and honestly, the, you know, when, when you're at home or at work, or whatever the case of, you know, with other people around, and someone interjects into your to-do list some new entries, how do you respond? Here's how I respond. This came to my mind while walking some dogs this morning. And how dogs are known, if you know, to, shall I say, relieve themselves in certain parts of the yard so as to put their scent there so others will not trespass. That's what I do in my to-do list. I know, you know, you come out for New Year's Day, hey, Happy New Year, you get stories like that. Um, that's what I do. I, I don't doubt it's what all of us do. We mark our lists and dare anyone to... Put something into it. Humility must come before honor. Now you think with me how practically that plays out for you in your home. Kids with parents, parents with kids, spouses, employees, employers, members of a team of any kind at school, at work. Humility must come before honor. How have you marked out your list? Secondly, our weight problem. Again, it's not what you think. We give inordinate weight to what we deem to be our power and our authority, our plans and our agendas. When we desperately need to give, let be given greater weight to Jesus' power and authority, plans and agenda. Him, the exalted one, let him speak and form and shape our plans, agendas, and all of that. Our weight problem. Thirdly, our anxiety issues. Here's what I mean by that. We hear this call, and the immediate visceral response is, when you begin to think through, I mean, you really begin to hear what Jesus is saying here. Humility before honor. Lay yourself out. Give yourself towards others. 
lay down your rights and privileges for the sake. When you begin to really hear that radical call, there is a pseudo-rational response that goes like this. I don't know if I can do that. That feels really threatening. That feels, I feel exposed. That's more vulnerable than I dare be. I mean, if I do that, who's going to take care of what I need? My friend, Jesus already has. He already has. And He will continue to do so. The exalted one who's already given Himself over. The exalted one who's already come as the servant into the deepest down for you, for me. We need not fear being exposed because He has shown Himself to be the one who will keep us safe and will preserve us and enable us to, to pattern our lives after the very service that He has given towards us. You see, the Lord truly has made His ways plain. Humility has to come before honor. Ending, wrapping up. I read those lyrics at the beginning of the service, uh, Andrew Peterson's um, Gather Around Ye Children Come. Some of you may know that comes from a, a Christmas tour. Uh, the larger title is Behold the Lamb of God. It's been going on for some 17 years now. And the whole thing began, Andrew Peterson and some of his friends wanted to take on the task of trying to find a way to tell the deeper story, to tell the backstory, if you will, to kind of using some of C.S. Lewis's vocabulary here, to the true tall tale of the coming of the Christ. And, and setting forth in, in music, uh, portraying, telling just why it is we need this Savior, why it is we need Christmas. But here's the beauty of what they've done with that show. They don't just tell it, they show it in how they do it. Here's what I mean by that. Andrew Peterson is without any mistake, without any question, the central figure in this show. That said, he is adamant about giving priority of place to the ensemble of his fellow artists and musicians. So much so that in every one of those productions, at every one of those stops, the first half, actually it's more than the first, probably the first two-thirds of the night, is an opportunity for every one of those individual artists to have a chance to perform, to, to show forth to the audience, this is who I am, this is how God has gifted me, this is, you know, frankly, some CDs you can buy, and, and, and the ways you can support this artist. And then comes, then comes, finally, the ensemble coming together to, to put forward the larger production, Behold the Lamb of God. And the result of this is, God has blessed it. That thing has exploded. Behold the Lamb of God. It now tours 15 cities through the course of the month of December. From, and so I know there's some of you even in this room. That for, for you, it's become part of your Christmas tradition. If not to go see the show, to play the CD umpteen times during the course of, of Advent. Well, why? Because it's nothing, not to play it down, but it's nothing more than a living manifestation of what we're seeing here in Philippians and Proverbs. This principle that Humility comes before honor. And that's part of the fabric. That's the way we're meant to live. 
And sometimes, and even in a show like that, you can catch a glimpse of that and the way it comes out and the way it's meant to be. So, as we're looking forward, as we're planning towards this new year, again, let me just say what I said at the beginning. It might just do us well to think about what we just left. The coming of Jesus, but not just the coming of Jesus, but how he came. And let that shape how we proceed forward in this coming year as his people. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time to explore this together for a few minutes. This is um, somehow attractive and winsome. It is compelling. It gets our attention. At the same time, it is so unnatural. And because it is so unnatural, it is relatively unknown. Thank you for making the paths plain. Thank you for telling us, for showing us, and giving us the ability to walk in these ways and making it safe and in sending your Spirit. Oh, we pray that you would make us, every one of us, in the ways that we need to be increasingly a people, individuals whose lives are typified by humility before honor. In your name we pray. Amen. If I may ask my fellow elders if you would join me up front as we continue in the service and the celebration of the Supper.